Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. everyone, and welcome to another Right Club podcast. I'm Laurel Simmons, one of the co-founders of the Right Club, and today my co-host is Victoria Clooney. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Laurel. Good to see you. Good to see you. We say good to see you because, you know, for those of you listening, we actually <laughs> are doing this on Zoom, so we see each other. <laughs> That's what we mean when we say good to see you. Anyway, we have a great guest today, uh, Jamil Rahamtula, who is a realtor and an investor, a real estate investor, and he lives and works in Hamilton. And he's got a three and a five-year-old. We just talked about that at the very end. <laughs> but he's got some great stories, doesn't he? He really does. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more about student rentals. That's the area that he focuses in and the Hamilton market. Yeah. So if you want some insights onto what's going on and how to really maximize your especially your, your student rental uh, experience that, well, all that information is in here in the podcast. Let's go. Hi, Jamil, and welcome to the Right Club podcast. It's great to see you here. We've seen you live at uh, uh, a Right Club event, but this is the first time on the podcast, so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, let's get right into it. What do you do and where do you live? Well, I live in a, a beautiful city that's growing by leaps and bounds. Um, I live in the city of Hamilton. Um, and I am a full-time investor slash realtor. Um, but uh, what I majorly do is I'm in the real estate space helping clients of mine uh, acquire different asset classes, uh, be it residential, commercial. Um, that's what I kind of, that's what my main focus is right now. What kind of investors are you are you helping? And uh, also, how do you market yourself for them? Because I often hear a lot of investors struggling to connect mm. with um, real estate agents that are uh, investor friendly, as we say. Yeah, I guess there's there's two ways of looking at it. Um, how I, I market to the clients is so I try to do a lot of the back end work. Um, front. So I would, you know, I'm doing the due diligence ahead of time. I'm screening properties. I'm looking at the value adds. Um, I'm actually, uh, like, you know, if it's something in my, in my area, I'll actually go out and go see the property ahead of time to see if it, if it's, uh, aligns well with my certain client's needs, because, you know, every client has a different, uh, I guess they have a, a view of value add, right? Some people want to follow the, of a quick, um, cosmetic add on for a renovation. So I have that person in mind, okay, this will fit within their bucket and I'll do the research back end, um, quickly crunch numbers because of my background and I could flip them the deal with a synopsis of where I could see the value add is and hope they can, they can take some action. Um, other clients I have are a little bit bigger scale, which involves further communication with the, the seller side. Um, of, let's see if it's a commercial building. I do a lot of that on the back end to, have those conversations, build those relationships, because as you know, in the field that you guys are in, this business is not so much about transacting assets. It's about relationships. 
Um, the amount of deals have happened just by a phone call or knowing someone who was in a situation that you could help them out with is been more real estate deals, in my opinion, than actually what you've seen online and just doing just doing an MLS search. Um, hope that answered that question. Um, and in relation to marketing, I think, you know, outside of doing crazy TikTok dances and, and stuff like that, <laughs> um, I think that it's, it's really about adding value, um, value add. So obviously social media is a big one. Uh, now, you know, before I was using a lot of my, you know, my Rolodex and making those personable calls. Um, I feel like, you know, picking up the phone and talking to people seems to have, have died down a lot. Uh, but ma making those calls or, you know, even those, those text messages or video chat messages is, is a personality thing that I can provide. But for me to grow uh, from that point is just adding value. You know, don't hold any of your secrets in. Push out what you know and adding that to anyone because people can see you as a trusted resource who's done it over and over again and believes that you're not trying to do this just to get uh, something back in return. You're trying to help people because if you can provide education and support, people will see you as a trusted resource and that will reciprocate in, in, in some way or another. I love that. And uh, especially the fact that you help with the due diligence. I'm sure that would be a, a welcome support from investors. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that uh, I want to ask, because this is a pain point that I often hear from investors of, you know, really trying to find that real estate agent that can support them. Is there mm -hmm. certain etiquette that you can elaborate on or certain questions an investor could ask a real estate agent in order to determine if they're investor friendly, where the understanding is that we're going to look at a lot of properties and we're going to base our decisions on numbers and not the emotions, because mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, that can get pushed on with emotions and bidding wars and uh, encouragement to go over and above what that number might be, where investors are going to be really firm on that. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, I had a, a conversation with a client about this and there was some hesitation because as, as you were aware, the market is changing so much, right? Mm -hmm. So being full, like educated and aware of what's happening in the market, be it mortgage rates or what's happening in in local area, zoning changes, et cetera, um, have, finding the right agent that was willing to do that due diligence, going back to your statement, is I think the the questions you need, we need to know is, the pinpoint questions you need to know is, okay, uh, from a financial point of view, if you yourself as an investor have a spreadsheet, for example, that you use to help you calculate uh, or evaluate an asset, um, look at your maybe maybe your top four, you know, obviously income, maybe cap rates or, you know, you know, DSR, something like that, certain acronyms that you could throw out there to your agent. If they're kind of a little hesitant, like, oh, I am, uh, then you, you need to maybe scale it back and say, okay, let's see what's the rental income. Okay. Has, you know, you know, asking questions to me is obviously an art, I think, mean, in any way, but, um, you know, asking those strategic financial questions, you know, income expenses, knowing those expenses ahead of time will determine how much that agent or that individual has gone into researching the property. For example, you know, um, if there is, if you're talking about a commercial property, knowing that there is, what's the long-term maintenance contracts? Is there garbage removal contracts in place? Are they up for renewal? Things like that, that you need to have the agent to be asking ahead of time because you could be at a closing of a property and they're up for renewal and you don't, and you're going to be hit with maybe a 10% increase. 
which cuts into your bottom line. So you need to be able to ask those real deep questions. So at a very Coles note version is, if you do have a spreadsheet, look at the main buckets and see if they can help you answer those, those line items. And alternatively, see if the agent has a spreadsheet and say, hey, could you share me a spreadsheet? Let's go run through a scenario. Let's pull up a listing that you, I like and let's go run through it. What's the asking price? What do you think the rents will be? Do you know the market rents? Do you know what the expenses are? Can you give me a range? And then that'll kind of give you an, an approximate idea of how that will work. Um, and as you said, a realtor is focused on investments. It's more of a business than saying, okay, how do you evaluate a business versus an emotional decision when it's a first-time homeowner, when you're moving into your home? It's an emotional decision. How does it make you feel? So you have to understand they can crunch those numbers in a way that they can challenge the, the person. Because I love to be challenged as a realtor or as an investor because it allows you to open up a different dimension and say, okay, well, I didn't even think about skinning like that this way. I didn't think about it that way. And that to me is how you make money in real estate is adding lift or adding value or seeing an opportunity that no one else has seen. I think one of the things though that you, you've kind of skirted around and it's really, really important is that you as a realtor are also an investor in real estate. And to me, I think that if you're going to be investing in real estate, then the people in your team should also have real life experience in investing in real estate. Because there's only so much you can learn through theory, right? You have to literally learn it in the streets. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I skipped over that one, but yeah, of course, <laughs> you, I would have asked them, like, you know, how many doors do you have? What kind of asset class do you have currently? What have you owned in the past? What are you currently looking at? Because if an investor is just focused purely on condos or assignment deals, then throwing them into a multi-unit or a duplex conversion is going to possibly be new for them and a learning curve that's you both are going to be going to a learning curve and it's is that something you're comfortable with so going back to your point absolutely like yeah knowing what their background is what's been their track record is important for sure so you are an investor so tell us sure. what's your portfolio look like uh yeah so currently i have uh student rentals um i have um and i've shifted a lot i used to do a lot of flips and uh, long-term holds. And now I'm mostly focused on uh, rentals and multifamily. I have uh, a few multifamilies um, and a commercial property. So I have my finger in a few pots. Um, I prefer to focus on multifamily currently for my own portfolio um, because with the way the market's going, the multi-unit is where there's multi a lot of opportunity for a lift or a value add. Um, and if you have the right strategy and team behind you, you can see the opportunities uh, versus like a single family home. In my mind, the amount of money and effort it takes to take a single family home and convert it into a duplex, for example, um, it is essentially the same amount of effort that it takes to take a four unit or five unit and turn that into a six or see there's a value add or a lift. So I just see the, the value for upscaling. Um, and that's kind of my focus and my priority right now. You also mentioned student rentals. And I know that, you know, with the pandemic, like, oh, student mm -hmm. rental just got, well, kind of disappeared. But I think it's safe to say, um, for the mm -hmm. most part, how did you handle that, that real sort of market tumult? Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, that, that is a, that's a great question. Um, you know, having this, having a really clear understanding of your financial requirements 
and having a plan in place for not so much of as a COVID situation, but, you know, the rainy day fund, um, the, the opportunity uh, came to us where, you know, we had enough of a reserve that we could withstand having a vacancy of the property. And it gave us as landlords and for the ones who were savvy enough to say, well, hey, we've had fully occupied properties for this long. Here's an opportunity to come in and actually renovate and clean it up because we know that in year, two years down the line, the students are going to ask and they're going to be back. And the biggest thing that we're finding, and this is one of the things we're seeing that's changing in the market is students have developed and they want more. And as landlords, we're, we're pretty much we're required to answer to the masses where the demand is. So we've, you know, we upgraded our units, you know, we did things that, you know, that wouldn't be normally seen in student rentals. And and in turn, we're able to, at the time was right, to off increase our rents. So we go from $400 a room to now $700 a room. And we still have people lining up to see the place because it's, it's the days of dungy, you know, bad carpeted, funky color walls and all that. What, uh, rooming houses, are those are done. You know, people want higher end. If they're going to be paying for higher education, they want quality living. So that's how I kind of, we kind of manage that and, and, and it's come back and it's turned out to be great by focusing on investing in the property itself. That was going to be my question when you said that you did things that people don't normally see in these student rentals. So is it just right. by upgrading the interior mm -hmm. or is there any other like tips and tricks yeah. that you can uh, share with our audience? Absolutely. So the first thing I'd like to offer, obviously, Heist Internet is like a, a strategic, 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 I mean, and if you have two levels and if, if the service, because sometimes if you're a basement, the service not be great, have them go throughout when you're putting the internet, like go through in every room, check your cell phone bars or the, the Wi-Fi bars in every room because kids are downloading and they're gamers. So if you have to, I've done it where I've had two different lines, two different service lines for the upstairs and downstairs, because I've had calls during exams, like, hey, my service is down. I don't want to have that on my conscience that they couldn't get in or, you know, that can't download that PDF or whatever it may be. Um, and second thing is offer, uh, I offer obviously dishwashers and higher end appliances and, you know, freezers are key. Freezers for students are essential because they, they like to, you know, parents come sometimes, they bring them lots of food. Um, and then the third thing I see is for a maid service. Um, I love to offer cleaning because, um, you know, when things are crazy and, and school's happening and you're focusing on your textbooks and all that, you don't really have time to clean. And, and so offering that comfort gives the student support, knowing that they don't have that obligation, oh, I got to do this, got to clean up my living room or this and that, but also gives parents peace of mind that, hey, I'm not, my kids are not going to be living in filth. They at least have, you know, they're, they're living in a safe, in a, in a comfortable, healthy, safe space. There's also another side to that too, because actually um, I was looking at student rental just before the pandemic hit. Thank goodness I didn't jump at that point. Uh, we, went, we went a slightly different direction. However, one of the greatest tips I received at that point was to get a, a, a cleaning staff in because they were another set of eyes that could report to you about the condition of the property. It's not like you're, you don't want to spy on people. No, but if you of see. Course. If you see something going on that's, you know, 
either either things need repair or I don't know something some illegal activity that you really don't want to be involved in whatever it is right you have some you have another set of eyes yeah you know you're, you're it's funny you mentioned that I um I just had an inquiry, you know, I had some, a, a certain area, one of my buildings, the students are not as clean. So I'm going to try to propose something different. I'm going to say, you know, Hey, let's sit down and come up with the cleaning schedule. You know, uh, let's work together because my property manager informed me, sorry, my cleaner informed me that, Hey, this, this, this part of the building, they're not as clean. They're not cleaning up here and there, and they're not staying on top of it. So it gives me that opportunity, as you said, to actually interject before it gets even worse to say, Hey, look, let's, let's, what can we, what can I do to help you versus being like, you know, you, you mandatory, you need to do this on Mondays, et cetera. Um, I have to try to figure out a solution because they're, they're balancing their lives too. Right. I'm going to shift a little bit of the focus on sure. Hamilton. So is this the market? This is the only market that you're investing in or do you invest outside of it? Yeah, I, I invest in uh, Hamilton, Brantford, uh, Cambridge, any of the KWC area, and all the way out to the Niagara. So I'm essentially west okay. of anything west of Hamilton. Um, so I, wherever I see this opportunity on this side, um, you know, within an hour, hour and a half from from where I am, I can at least keep my my finger on the pulse and and have my network uh, that far. Anything farther, I usually just you know, I refer to other investors or realtors that can help me. I don't tend to go out that comfort zone where even though it's a great deal, I, I tend not to, to to do that for, for at least for, for clients. Okay. And have you seen a, a big shift in the Hamilton market? I keep hearing a lot about it, especially like it was ranked number one with the, yeah. I think it was the rental rates. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right Club Nation, just want to take a quick moment here and introduce you to Private Money for Mortgages, which is a mortgage brokerage. And the great thing about Private Money for Mortgages is if you are looking to do a flip or a burr or something that requires a little bit more work where you might not get traditional bank financing, a great opportunity to still acquire that property is with Private Money. So Private Money is going to be at some point in your journey a necessary tool for you or maybe somebody that you know, another investor to build your portfolio and knowledge is key. You can book a discovery call with Susan and her team to learn why, how, and when to use private mortgages in your real estate journey. You can visit their website, which is privatemoneyformortgages.com. And there's a free guide to private mortgages that you can get there. And also Susan can help you with a vetting process. So when you are looking at properties, whether it's a flip property or a burr property, they can assist you with finding different financing options for these types of purchases. And again, it could come with a higher cost. Most likely it will because it's private money, but if it is executed properly with a proper exit, that is going to be key. So again, private money for mortgages, which is the number four dot com and now back to the show and now back to the show yeah the the rents are wild uh yeah the rents are wild i think it was like you know depends on where you are if you're on the mountain you know one bedrooms are are i'm saying some parts of the mountain i've seen over two thousand bucks 2100 sometimes it's 22 bedrooms 22 23 um, it all depends on the finishes, but yeah, the, the market is, it is adjusting. Absolutely. So when, during the, the peak of the COVID times versus now it's come down, uh, you know, 10, 15%. Um, 
they are bidding wars, which is, and, and I know it's funny to say, but in the student rental space, there's tons of bidding wars uh, happening in the, you know, McMaster area or even near, um, up on the mountain for Mohawk, uh, because the rents have gone up so much. So going back to the question, like as an investor, you look at investments that can give you a cash flow and obviously appreciate, but right now the, the cash flow properties with the interest rates are student rentals. Um, so I see, you know, in, in a broad spectrum of asset classes, I see, uh, single family homes, century homes, like two and a half story homes in the lower city of Hamilton, you know, they're going for, for you know, 500s and the 600,000s. Investors are coming in and they're converting them into two units, three units, potentially adding a fourth unit is a garden suite. So the barrier to entry is not as bad um, because the rental market can support it. Um, now, if you're going to Melton and you do a bungalow, you know, COVID times we were paying 800,000, right? Uh, hoping for a million ARV versus now you could probably pick it up for six, maybe 600. So it's adjusting. That's, I guess that's in a nutshell. It's adjusting the, the rental market though is very, very, very strong. I, I, I can't express that enough that it, the short-term, mid-term and long-term market in Hamilton is, is, is mind-boggling. And what about, um, purpose-built type buildings, like, do you see, does Hamilton have uh, a lot of that? I haven't been looking at the Hamilton market too much. So what about investors that want to get into the multifamily space? Do you find Hamilton yeah. a good market for that? Yeah, there is a lot of uh, older multifamily, for sure, purpose-built buildings. Um, if they go on the market, they get snatched up very, very, very quickly. Um, now, you know, if you're an investor looking for, five, you know, five units to 10 units, you could potentially get them, but their their REITs are very popular, and they pick them up within you know a day or two. They're they're taken off the market. Um, now, if you're going you know ten units and up, then they tend to there are opportunities, um, especially with with people who borrowed on private money or hard money. They are opportunities, um, and yeah, I don't we do see them. Maybe I would see like one every month, one every two months or something like that. We see a, a good deal. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there, there are quite a few multifamilies and the ones that are up for sale are usually mixed use. So commercial on the bottom and then residential up top, those ones are fairly easily to, to pick up in the Hamilton area. Well, I'm going to take you back. Cause I'm really curious. What was your first purchase as a real estate investor? And what, what, what was it like? And do you still have it? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So my first purchase was a student rental actually. Um, and, and it, it was a student rental and, um, back in 2008. Um, so, and I paid a premium for it. Um, and the, I still have it. Yes. I still do have it. Uh, why I bought it was because I had been reading, um, Don Campbell's books as a young, as a young lad. And I, I thought to myself, I'm young. I don't have a lot uh, of capital, but I know that if I can get something cash flowing, I can uh, go to the bank and, and, and actually, you know, show the leases, et cetera, and, and get that mortgage as a as supplementary income. Um, and yeah, that, that was my first, that was my first property. Um, and that's kind of, that's springboarded me to, two more student rentals after that. 
and then going into buying flips and and then and into present day. But yeah, student rentals where I started, I got my feet wet. Um, and uh, it's funny because, you know, we talk about student rentals. It's a lot of investors are coming back to you now because it's cash loan. You know, it, people are paying, you know, upwards. I, I saw a place in, in McMaster the other day. It's maybe 120 square feet, not a big room, 10 by 12, 950 bucks a room. Uh, so... Yeah. A room. This is a room. This is not, this is a room. So imagine today and today you're paying 950, what, what people are going to have to pay in five years from now. Um, so, and, and for those investors and listeners thinking about their children and how they get, you know, thinking about those assets that they need to acquire, not, it doesn't have to be student rental, but thinking about an asset that can give them that income to support their children's education. It's uh, interesting. I have a, a property that I purchased. It was right outside of a college. It's in Nova Scotia, but we are also converting this to student rentals. And so tell me about, um, I know we talked a little bit about what you were doing with the interior in order to increase, but is there anything else that you can elaborate on? Certain things I've heard is to have it furnished so that you don't have the the wear and tear from students moving in and out or, you know, what right. do you do in the summertime? Do you ever think about converting to Airbnbs or if you, I don't know if that area allows it, but. Yeah, great question. So now they're introduced in, in specifically Hamilton and other uh, jurisdictions, but they're introduced uh, the licensing pilot licensing program. So they're cracking down on a lot of, you know, unscrupulous landlords who have, you know, roomy houses that don't fall, you know, building code or ESA, park code, et cetera. Um, so. What I do for, for that is, uh, you know, exterior wise, I obviously add, you know, you know, ring camera, security systems, barbecues, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you offer little things that they can attract them during the, if they want to stay for the summer. But, um, overall, yeah, we don't, I've, I've been, I've had the pleasure of having like the opportunity of, I'll put a TV, you know, I'll give them a nice, I'll put TVs in the living room. I'll give them nice couches. Um, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll put like art sometimes on the walls and, and, you know, you're, you'll attract certain tenant profiles if they like it. Uh, you know, it's good things I like to, is, you know, give really good shower systems. Uh, it's so funny, but like really good shower systems. Uh, don't trip on that. Uh, yeah. Like nowadays, if I ever do a new one, I'll do like one of those touch mirrors that, that add the extra light because a lot of people are taking photos in the mirror, in the bathrooms or, you know, really good lighting. I know it sounds awkward, but lighting is so critical. Um, so, you know, I do that. Um, if I have to, I'll give them, I'll throw in rugs, um, because a lot of kids will think about, okay, I'll just get a bed set, side table, et cetera, but I won't, you know, I'll just throw give them a rug that complements the floors. But to answer your question about furnishing, I, I, we did that for a little bit where we would like offer rentals like a dollar a day per piece of furniture. So if I'm giving them a desk, uh, I'm giving them a, 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 a bed frame, um, I'm giving them, uh, you know, maybe a stand up closet kind of thing. I rented out a dollar a day and that was very attractive to, um, to international students, especially because they're coming with nothing. They got, they got a few suitcases and they're looking for whatever. Um, it just, it just, I, we, we moved away from that because, you know, we didn't, there were some rules around offering furniture places and then now you become, it, it was something that there was, you know, we were 
discuss over back and forth. And then we'd have to write separate agreements and it got, it all got cumbersome. And then if there's damages, you have to think about, okay, if this desk is damaged, as long as you recuperate your cost, where are you going to store it? So it became a bit of an, a rolling situation, but it's definitely something that was attractive. Um, I offer connections to like, what I would do is I'd say, well, here's my furniture company, go reach out to them. They'll offer free delivery. You know, here's the mattress company and they'll help out there. Um, what else do we do? We, we also offered, if at the time I was painting, I'd say, we can, well, that, all my painter will come in and paint an accent wall for you, pick the color. So this all, because I'm obviously charging a premium rent and if this is a perfect timing, if they sign at this time and they want to go over the summer, then I do that. Um, and that's over and beyond that, you know, most you won't do that. Um, and they like the comfort of, oh, I know my, my walls will be pink or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think I also offered another thing, another tip I would say is if you're doing anything, offer, um, if you can, USB outlets in, is part of your electrical outlets. Uh, those are really nice. The students really love that because they have so many devices and, and do that. So, but I, I, we never, we never had to, we never had to like pivot to the Airbnb model. Um, we've had to ask, but it's always been rented because I, I try to structure it in a way that it's so attractive that they want to sign a 12 month lease at the end of the previous tenant profile. So it's worked out so far for us. I like how you are being, you know, thoughtful about the the generation and all the little nuances that might attract right. them. It is a little Airbnb-esque in the way that right. you're right. being client-based. So yeah, that's great. Great tips. Yeah, I think it's really, it's really good because you are, the, the more you increase the value of a house or the, or the, sorry, I should say the perceived value, I guess, because that's really what we're talking about, right? And it's, it's not just with students, it's with anything. If you want to attract really great um, tenants for your property, then make the property really great. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> obvious, but maybe obvious is not so obvious sometimes, right? Make it attractive. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you'd like if to live there. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Go ahead and say that. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to live there, then well, what would you like? Well, we're not talking about you know, over the top. Uh, right. I don't know. Yeah. You know, Two inch marble, uh, yeah, uh, kitchen, um, <laughs> uh, not cabinets, but countertops. <laughs> but yeah, countertops. But really, like, make it nice, and the nicer it is, mm -hmm. I think, the better quality of tenants you get. That's My dad always said, "Never try to turn a frog into a prince." So I think about that with my properties as well. You got to know what the property is, and then keep it that in that demographic. Right. That's a really yeah. good tip. <laughs> okay. With that, we're going to go to the right lightning round now. So we're right. going to ask you questions. Just mm -hmm. give us the answer right off the top of your head. And Victoria, you can start. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. 
Is the market going up this summer? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so you have to expand on that a little oh, bit oh, more. Sorry, I, I thought it was like, I thought it was like wrapping it, one up. It really was, but now I'm curious. Why don't you think so? I know, we actually, we do want, we're just curious. Oh, okay, so um, I think, I think, yeah, so I, I'm seeing what's happening in the market and um, we're, we're finding that the sellers are, I'm seeing way more reductions in prices uh, than I'm seeing sales, at least in the space that I'm looking. So, uh, and probably just sitting in the market longer. So what's happening is I think that the delta of the mentality of how they saw prices are during the COVID times to present day and marrying what's happening with the interest rate hikes. Um, I think there's still a bit of a more of an adjustment that has to happen. I'm not, I'm not gloom, doom and gloom or anything like that. Still the asset class is great for real estate, no matter which way you go. But I still see there's adjustments that have to happen where it just, it doesn't, like, it's not fathomable anymore for someone to purchase a, purchase a property a certain amount and the rents cannot justify it. Um, so I still think there's going to be an adjustment uh, by this summer, but I think we're in, in, I guess, you know, Q1 of next year, we're going to start seeing some, some changes for sure. I think it sounds like really what we're saying is that now's the time to act. Well, there's, there's all the best time to get into real estate is right now, right? You can always you can always think about the future and well forget about the yeah. past because that's gone. Yeah. But the best time to act is now. So do your due diligence, talk to the right people, get out there and 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 do some research. All right, question number two. What's the best advice you've ever received as an investor? Oh, that's a good one. Um, best advice. I think the best advice I got as an investor was uh, stop and listen. Uh, so it was kind of where, where, you know, let, let the other party speak, let the other party kind of divulge and, and not, not, not saying the worst words, but, you know, give away their position, but more so let them speak about the themselves or the building and, you know, let, let them feel who you are and that will allow you to establish a position a better position. So that was kind of the best one that I got because that it, it, it helps because it builds a connection. So I think that's the, that's the best piece of advice that I got. That is great advice. It's great advice. Even just when you're meeting other people, you don't need to know more about yourself. It's the other people yeah. that you want to learn about. Right. And so when you're yeah. listening, you get that data. So I love that. Uh, my last question is going to be, what is your favorite real estate investing resource? It can be a networking group, a book, a podcast, whatever you want. Oh, um, yeah, great question. Um, yeah, the, my favorite resource, I would say, well, that's a good one. There's so many. <laughs> um, I it sounds kind of nerdy, but like uh, I like Korea, the the site. It's the you know it 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 provides national statistics, provides. Everything that's happening on a national scale, you can drill down into data that goes down into, into uh, provincial and city level. But there's so many. Uh, there's, there's a book, Who Not How. Um, that's another great book. Um, another great book I would say right now I'm reading is uh, Never Split the Difference. Yep. That's uh, for anyone who's interested in negotiations or going back to that point of learning about personality types and, and working with people. 
I think that's a great, great tool or resource as an audiobook. And um, you can even listen to Wire on the Road. That's a really good resource, in my opinion. I uh, use it on my kid. <laughs> there you go. Good one. <laughs> you know what? Kids are the best negotiators, in my opinion. How often are they like, I want TV or I know I want this chocolate bar. You say no, and they say no. And you're like, okay, fine. Here you go. <laughs> right? Like Relentless. They're <laughs> relentless. <laughs> okay, last question. What do you do for fun? Yeah, what I do for fun, I love playing basketball. Uh, that's my that's my passion. I, I love playing ball. Um, and uh, now it's taking the kids out skating. And those are the two most passionate things right now is, uh, you know, playing basketball and, and skating with the kids. How old are your kids? Uh, they're five and three. Oh, oh, they're little. So you're getting them out there and enjoying the Canadian winter. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking them on the showings next. That's what my plan is. You know, <laughs> Get them young, educate them young, <laughs> yes. and then you'll have no trouble later on. That's great. Absolutely. So thank you very much, Jamil. And before we go, where can people reach you? What's the best way to reach you? Absolutely. Uh, they can reach you on Instagram uh, at Jamil Ramtula and are, or on my website at www.jamilramtula.com. Um, on Facebook, the same way. So pretty much and just look up my name and you'll, you'll be able to find me anywhere on there. Um, not on TikTok yet, but if I convince, maybe we can do a, a right club uh, TikTok mass dance across everybody. Maybe I'll <laughs> okay. convince you to, to do one or something. I, I'm <laughs> dabbling. I'm dabbling. So it's, uh, it's the Wild West on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Is. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so very, very well, much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, Victoria, he's really great, isn't he? He's so passionate. He is knowledgeable, passionate. I mean, I guess that's what you want in a real estate uh, agent. Yeah, you really do. Like, can you imagine the worst thing would be, hmm, well, okay, let's go look at this. Or, yeah, I think there's a couple of things over there you might be interested in. For sure. And I think that um, I think a lot of real estate investors, you know, sometimes do get mixed up with agents that don't understand investing. So I think it's so important that we can find people like Jamel who can, you know, guide investors through the process and really help them out. Yes, because he does have that experience himself. And I I, I cannot stress how important it is that it doesn't matter who's on your your power team, whether it's your real estate agent or your your broker or your accountant or your lawyer, whatever it is, they need experience in real estate investing. Agreed. I agree. All right, everyone. Well, as always, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please rate it on whatever platform you're listening on. That helps us to reach other people. And don't forget to go to therightclub.com. We have lots of podcasts there, lots of content, videos, all kinds of things for you to watch and, and listen to. Until then, customize your life. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.